You are listening to Games from the Cellar, the board gaming podcast featuring authentic board gaming conversation. I'm Steven, your host, and tonight I was joined by John to play Dinosaur Table Battles. And here's Adrian to tell you about Dinosaur Table Battles. Well, Dinosaur Table Battles, designed by Amabel Holland and illustrated by Will Alambre, was first published by Hollandspiel in 2020. At the time of this recording, Dinosaur Table Battles has a 6.8 rating with 106 rankings on BoardGameGeek and a ranking of 9624. It is a two-player, light-to-medium complexity game that should play in about 30 minutes, so feel free to play two to three to even four times. Thank you for joining us in the cellar as we go in-depth with Dinosaur Table Battles. All right, so Table Battles dinosaurs what can you tell us about table battles john well table battles came out a few years ago it's from holland spiel which is a very avant-garde american board game uh, publisher that uh prints things more or less on demand so their packaging is a little bit different but um their games are very very interesting and um and and very different from a lot of the other material that's coming out these days so table battles in particular is it it has the appearance of a war game, but it's kind of not. So you are playing head-to-head against each other with two sides. And it does depict battles from history, so you get to pick which battle you're interested or in. Or dinosaurs. Or, or between dinosaurs. Or dinosaurs. And we'll get to the dinosaurs in a minute. Um, but these first publishings were, were um, um, uh, uh, Renaissance era. There's, a, there's an American Revolution battle, and there's a lot of battles in Europe. And then there was War of the Roses came out and, and some additional pieces. Um, and the idea is that you have a set of cards on each side which represents a, a, a part of your army. And the way they lay out is you're actually going, you're, you're, you're mimicking what the actual battle was. So each army has a particular target, which was the people that was across from them when they did the original battle. Now, the dinosaurs, the game works in a very similar way, or at least apparently from reading the rules it does. We'll find out when we play. But um, uh, it's a little more open because obviously there is no actual dinosaur battle that there it's There are no historical dinosaur battles. Correct. At least nothing that was written down. Well, and, that would uh, be the historical part. Yes, exactly. Um, I'm sure there were plenty of dinosaur battles. I'm sure there were. And and in this game, um, the way you, you pick your dinosaurs, there's actually a draft rule that allows you to um, uh, select which dinosaurs you play. So obviously you're going to get a different setup every single time. And, and, and your choice of target is going to vary. And, and the way the rules are written, it appears that any dinosaur can attack any other dinosaur on the other side, and that becomes a part of your strategy. Mm-hmm. So it's fundamentally a dice rolling game. The dice load up on your, your cards, on your various dinosaurs, and those dice allow you to either use them to attack or use them to defend. And the, the, the real, real rub in the game, the thing that gives it its edge, is that you can get the initiative and you can hold it for one turn after another, potentially after another and another, as long as the dice keep working for you. Because when your opponent defends himself, he doesn't get to attack on his next turn. So as long as you can manage to pull off keeping an attack rally going, you can keep him from grabbing that initiative. But you tend to run out of juice when you're doing this. Mm -hmm. So the result is eventually your dice go dry, and then it's his turn. And he's built up it during that time period, and then he starts coming back at you and tries to do the same thing. So that control of the initiative is key to the game. So I want to touch back on it being a war game but not being a war game. You kind of had mentioned that 
I think just from looking at the rules, it, I I get where people would think this is a war game. I mean, it's by Hollenspiel. Hollenspiel's known for war games, but we've covered games from from other publishers that are typically war games that aren't war games. Mm-hmm. So on first blush, yes, I get where this looks like a war game, but diving into the rules, it really looks like this really masterfully put together dice allocation kind of mm-hmm. yep. kind of thing where you're rolling the dice, but you're not rolling the dice directly to attack. Right. You're rolling the dice that essentially become your resources to make attacks based on where they go on what dinosaurs or, I guess, historical units. <laughs> and then <laughs> right. based on thresholds or, you know, just using those dice is how you get to make your attacks. Is that... Yes, so it's 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 the dice are about the allocation of resources more than the battle. There's no maneuver, there's no map, there's no getting behind somebody or that sort of thing which you do in traditional war games. This is about powering up your various units, dinosaurs or, or, or armies, in order to take it to your opponent. So yes, it's head to head like in Magic or any other game. Um, but at the same time, it's really about getting those dice rolls and using them, getting them onto the cards so that they can do yeah, work Yeah, so not a war game, but a battling game. Yeah, I like that, actually. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. It's a battling game. Like a head-to-head battle game. Yep. All right, cool. Uh, anything else you want to throw in there in the mix it's before we get started? awfully pretty. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's, this is some of the coolest dinosaur artwork I've ever seen. Yeah. And whoever whoever did the art, I'll credit them later, did an amazing job. It's very evocative and just very colorful, and I, uh, I'm really excited to get this one out. Yeah, I'm very impressed. Let's do it. All right, let's go. A couple of years ago, Mary asked me to do a dinosaur version of our popular table battles game. Yeah, that's what this was, and... Um, I can't speak to the original table battles. I'll let John do that. But this was a pretty interesting play. I had a good time with this, even though I lost both games that we played. But it was close. Both games were relatively close. The, 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 the first this, game was closer. first game was very close, yeah. In fact, it went to the tiebreaker, the second tiebreaker. Second tiebreaker. And, and the second one, I kind of just managed to get you into a corner where I could I could start banging through one of through your last dinosaur and get yeah. it done. So it was... Um, I mean, there there are a lot of, I don't want to say there are a lot of moving parts, but there's a lot of little things that you have to keep track of. And, you know, the first game, I didn't really have my head completely wrapped around all the options. But I would say the second game, I definitely had a better grasp of the different things that were going on. Yeah, and what, what remains is figuring out how the combinations are going to work best in your favor. Mm-hmm. Because cause in, in dinosaur battles... You have the ability for any dinosaur to attack any dinosaur. So that gives you more versatility. In the original table battles, you have a set of targets, and they're in order. In fact, um, I, I'm trying to remember if, if you can have multiples on the board at once or not. It seems to me for some battles you can. But in the original table battles, you essentially, any unit you have is attacking a particular unit on the other side, and it's named on the card. Mm-hmm. This is who you can go after. So your dice placement becomes the tougher decision 
as opposed to the attack decision. In dinosaur battles, it's about the attack decision. So when you're laying your dice out, it's a whole lot easier to say, well, best practices is this gets my defense up and I can continue my attack if I throw a die here. And then at that point, it's a matter of making a good decision how you attack the guy on the other side of the board. Mm -hmm. And it's a little more um, optimal strategy, you know, work through all the combinations and figure out what works. With table battles that's the traditional battles games, um, you start looking at a side because and the other difference is, is each unit has its own hit points. So so in this game, you've got a, you've got a pool mm-hmm. that you're burning from. In that game, first of all, you win by capturing your opponent's units or or, or routing them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's you destroy them is more or less it. And um, so there's a strategic point where you can withdraw a unit because your unit gets down to one or two points left on it. You go, well, I don't want to hand it to them. So I'm going to pull that unit away. And you can withdraw that unit. And, and for some battles, there's units that replace it because there are reinforcements at the battle. A new unit steps up. And now they're doing, pressing their attack on that unit instead. So the way the battle played out in real life ends up being the way the battle plays out on the table because Amabel did a bit of research, apparently, and made sure that things kind of worked the way they were supposed to. And the result is that you start needing to do your dice placement in order to be strategically engaging the side of the battlefield that you want to go after. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with a little bit of shuffling, when you start figuring out who's going against two, what you find out is you actually lay your troops out on the table left to right in the same order they were actually laid out in real life. So, I mean, it's kind of uncanny how that works. In dinosaur battles, it's more about the attacks because anybody can attack anybody. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, of how your opponent manages to get dice laid down in order to either defend themselves or prepare for an attack. And you want to force those dice off of that attack spot. Yeah, it was interesting how in order to go from defense to offense, you essentially had to create a hole for your opponent to attack you without any counters. Yeah. So it kind of, and I don't think I really internalized that until about halfway through our second game because then, you know, I was looking at who I had because your first instinct is to always be blocking because, you know, that's typically what you do in other games like this. It seems like a nice it seems survival like, sort of strategy to use. Yeah. And yeah, there there is a certain amount of attrition that happens through blocking mm-hmm. and being on defense because even though I was on defense, I would say 80% of that second game, I still whittled you down to your last hit point. Right, because I'm chewing it because when you attack, you do self-damage. Yeah, often is the case. There's often self-damage and some of the counterattacks do damage as well. Yep, yep. So there is this war of attrition type of... Uh, of game going on. It wasn't until about halfway through the second, the second game that I realized, okay, if I let John punch through, if I set my cards up in a way that he can't, that I can't counter his, his attack, then I can go on offense and actually do some damage. And, and I did that, but with the way his cards, with the dinosaurs that he had on the table, you know, I was doing my damage and he couldn't block. So, the the initiative went right back to him so it was interesting because i was able to like really do massive damage to him and flip over some of his cards but in the long run the attrition just is what ate yeah, my guys chewed, up chewed you up and and our second game ran significantly low we, and what we did was we played 
we played the demo setup and the instructions. Mm-hmm. The introductory played, setup. Played that to the end and then spun it. We switched sides, which is real traditional with wargaming stuff, and I recommend that particularly for table battle so you can get to see how each side plays as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we switched sides and we did it again. And like I said, the, fir- the first side, it was very, very close. I won by the second tiebreaker. The second time... I won by a little bit more, but you're right. It was it was much more of a slog. It was a much more grinding battle, and we're sitting there taking one point off of each other each way, and and you know as much of that was sort of self inflicted as not. And there was a big patch in the second game where I was on defense, but was still doing okay because mm-hmm. you were you were having to chew yourself up in order to get to me, and I had the Velociraptors, which were allowing me to take your hit points instead yeah, I think, of uh, instead I think of that's burning. what. If it hadn't been for the Velociraptor, I mean, you know, this is the way the army, his army was built. And, you know, I can't say if if you didn't have this would have completely changed the game. But the fact that you were gaining the hit points that I was losing definitely worked out in your favor. Yeah, kept me, kept me in the game from that point. And I think, you know, going forward, if, um, if we played by the drafting rules, I have a feeling that it would be very difficult to kind of pass over the Velociraptors for that reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I imagine there, I would imagine there is a way to counter that. We just maybe haven't figured it out. Maybe it wasn't something that's obvious in the demo version of the or the the recommended setup for a first game. But um, that's the kind of thing where you might want to look at. There might be a better way to attack the Velociraptors or somehow take them out of the picture. I mean, they're they're rated a three, so maybe. Maybe they're not that great. But well, and part of what you can do is you can force them to burn their dice on defense by attacking the other dinosaurs so that they have to block and in that way keep that number down. But in this demonstration setup, I forget the other, there's another dinosaur there where you get to essentially hand the, that dinosaur's dice over. Mm-hmm. So the Velociraptor is doing more or less one damage per die. That was the Utah Raptor. Utah Raptor. So, so, so there's a minus one. So it's the number of dice on there, minus one. So with the Utah Raptor, if you're handing three or four dice over to Velociraptor, you could be doing three or four points of damage, and you get all those chips on your side. So you're not you're gaining hit points mm-hmm. while your opponent is losing hit points, which of course is is a double up. That's that's a real nice feature to make. So they it. um they did a really cool thing by rating the strength, the overall strength of the abilities and and um, I guess the breakpoints of the different dinosaurs. And I see that the Velociraptor is a three, which leads me to believe that there are probably other dinosaurs that we didn't play with that are stronger and potentially As, counters yeah. to them. So, you know, until we play with the rest of the uh, the dinosaurs, we can't really. I'm, I'm going to retract that sweeping statement and say of saying that the Velociraptors are are really good. I mean, they still could be, but um, yeah, there's 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 a lot more game here that we didn't see and didn't get to, to experience. So right, and I do look forward to that. Yeah, this is the kind of thing we could bring this out in May, and I could see us playing this in the evening for, for yeah. four or five different setups. Yeah, I mean, each game took us – I mean, the first game probably took us 20 minutes, You would say, I would say. Yeah, the uh, second one was longer. A little bit longer. We, yeah. With the rules read and the rules referencing, probably – And we're not – Yeah. We're in a hurry, Stephen. We're, we, we like to sit back and play. I mean, when it's, you know, when it's the two of us, you know, we start talking about everything and everything, and sometimes we forget to take our turns because we're just not paying attention or we're enjoying our whiskey. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it slowed us down a little bit. But I, I feel like 
with the the grasp of the rules that we have now, we could probably mm-hmm. knock out a game in, you know, 30 to 45 minutes easy. And then, yeah. you know, you flip the table. <laughs> you I you mean, don't flip the table. You don't flip the table. <laughs> you can you can uh, flip positions right. and do it again. And you know you've got you've got yourself a you know pretty fun little um, hour hour and a half on your yeah. On your it's, hands. it's 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 I, I I hesitate to call it a war game. I mean it's 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 a conflict game, but but it, fundamentally it's a dice placement and a little bit of strategy game. Yeah, I wouldn't classify this as a war yeah. game at all. I um, you know. It is attacky, sure, um, but you know there are plenty of games that are attacky, like Magic: The Gathering is attacky, but you wouldn't call it. Yeah, a, it's not a war game. It's not right. a war game. It doesn't have the, those sorts of features. The, the running mechanism here is how you allocate your dice to build attacks and to build the 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 defensive um, maneuvers that you make, and then using the abilities on the dinosaurs in ways that are. That are most advantageous. So, so I and and okay. So I'm going to take a moment. I never do this. I'm, I'm going to talk about the presentation, which generally I really just couldn't care less about. But mm-hmm. there's actually some pretty cute things. We talked about the uh, the the flavor of the art earlier on, and you guys can go on the website and you can see what the art looks like for uh, for Hollenspiel, which I recommend anyway. Just fair warning: you may want to buy more games because they really have some avant-garde stuff out there. You're going to oh, yeah. be very surprised by what you see. But one of the features in the game is um, you flip over a card. Um, is a strategy you can use. Essentially, as a di- dinosaur is becoming more damaged, you can retire. It's a, each dinosaur is represented by two or perhaps three cards, and you can turn over a piece. Well, the back of the card looks just like the front of the card, except it doesn't have the abilities on it. So when you flip it over, the three cards for the Velociraptor, uh, excuse me, the three cards for the Tyrannosaur, I know that one has three. Mm-hmm. All right, has more or less the head, the body, and the tail. And when you flip over a piece, the back looks just like the front, and the dinosaur is represented across all three cards. So as the dinosaur is, repre- is retired, all of the cards flip over. You still have that full Tyrannosaur, and you actually get the full, complete picture without all the instructions and art on it. So and there's, there's just a couple of nice features. And I'm, I'm not sure if this one is available for print and play yet. I know Holland Spiel does everything print and play. Mm-hmm. They're behind right now because they have to catch up. They've been putting out a lot of games, a lot of really good games. And one of their challenges is because they are kind of a print-on-demand company, um, their stuff is available in the United States for reasonable prices. Mm-hmm. This one was 35 plus 12 for shipping. Yeah. Shipping around the world is tough because everything comes from America. That said, an awful lot of this stuff is available print and play. Mm-hmm. So you're going to want to get clear sleeves on both sides for this game. So get like penny sleeve, something thin. All right. You can print this out on cheap, cheap paper. It's essentially a bunch of cards, uh, a rule book, which frankly you can just leave in PDF format, and some dice and some chips. And you can use M&Ms if you want to do that for your hit points. So this is a super cheap print and play. So if you're on a budget or you want to give a gift to somebody that likes games, um, this is the kind of thing where you can kind of do your little own, own homemade version of it. And it might be a nice little uh, uh, gift of love as opposed to something where you just blew a lot of money. And and from that perspective, I think uh, it puts everybody in the world available to play both table battles and this dinosaur versions of table battles um, for just a few bucks. I, I built my table battles. I have table battles, the original, and I have War of the Roses. And I think they were $12 mm-hmm. on um, War Game Vault. Mm-hmm. And my print cost, I had some sleeves and I printed a cheap paper and that's all I needed. 
Um, and I got sleeves in red and blue to match the, uh, the card colors. And, uh, it's like I said, if you're on a budget, this is the kind of game you could have on the table for less than 20 bucks. And there's a whole lot of play in this for less than 20 bucks. Yeah. And I would say, given the presentation, I mean, you're getting 12 dice, you're getting the, the hit point chips and just, I mean, the cards are, I mean, these, these are good quality. I, I would say, you know, if you're in the United States and can pay the $47 plus your local tax, I would go with that route as well. Yeah, it is print on demand, so you're not getting it, you know, next day shipping. Right. But I think I got this in less than a week. Um, you know, their print partner is uh, th- really good. They communicated with me uh, almost right away uh, to let me know that they mm-hmm. had gotten my order and let me know when it was coming out. And yeah, it showed up like six days later. I was surprised because they said expect it between 10 and 14. And then it was there. And then it was there. And it's this really, I mean, it's this really nice presentation. I would, if you're not handy with scissors and, (laughs) you know, don't want the headache, you know, paying the extra $20 to get it printed for you and shipped to your door is uh, definitely worth taking a look at. That's not a bad price either. No. And they do, they do christmas sales right yep there's a sale every christmas yeah i I mean the reason i mentioned the print play is if you live in indonesia you're gonna want to do this print play print play and that's certainly you can do and i know they're working america it's not bad at all yeah and i know they're working on some kind of european distribution so you know keep an eye out on the holland spiel website to see when that actually happens and keep your fingers crossed because you know the sooner the better obviously but uh you know keep an eye on that Mm mm-hmm so from a, from a rules perspective, this mm-hmm. is four pages of four sides of a piece of paper, a um, little bit of art, which is very nice and does the job. Um, it's the kind of game that even starting from scratch, you're probably going to be up and running in eh, maybe twenty minutes from start reading. What I recommend is lay down the cards and actually play a couple of turns, even if it's just you playing against yourself with the two sides. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff in the rule book may seem a little out of the ordinary because the game does not have the same running gears all the other stuff you've played that's like this. But the minute you've played a turn back and forth a couple of times, you go, oh, that's where, that's the secret sauce that makes this game different. And it's all about initiative, and it's all about taking control of the game and holding it and keeping your opponent from getting it back. You can only do that for so long. At some point, your luck's going to run out, and at that point, they're going to get to take charge and do the same back to you. So it's all about gaining and holding that initiative and seeing if you can drive your opponent down before he gets a chance to take it back from you. Yeah. So what would you, how would you rate this based on the mm. Board Game Geek scale? We're using the Board Game Geek scale? Yeah, the, you know, BG, the old standby, the BGG scale. Hmm. You know, it's 1 to 10. Um, it's It asks you about things like if you think it's a good game and how often you would want to play it. Right. Do you lose sleep whether if you, if you don't yeah. get a chance to play it? Is I this mean, the only game you ever want to play again? Ever again in your life. Yeah, those sorts of things. This is, you know, this is just a fun little play. If it's two of you sitting at the table, um, just a great time. And it's the kind of thing you can just kind of punch out a little bit. Like after dinner, you can play this. Um, this is a very, very nice seven. And considering what you're paying for it, uh, whether you're printing it yourself or purchasing it, I think this is a great pickup. Yeah. So, you know, I went into this game thinking that it was going to be a seven, and I wasn't wrong. This game is, it's got charm all over it. Uh, you know, like I said, the dinosaurs have uh, this really interesting and almost unique 
uh, art style to them. Mm -hmm. The mechanisms are unique and you look at the cards and you look at the rules and you kind of in your mind think that it's going to go one way, but Ambell surprises you and goes another way. And it makes the game very interesting where it could have been very boring. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I get the feeling if we played different dinosaurs, Mm -hmm. new effects would come in. Oh yeah, for sure. The game is wired to do that so that you get a different play just by selecting a different, different set of critters to be on your side. Yeah. And every, so the, the rule book suggests a, you know, a starting setup. My assumption is that the powers on those dinosaurs are fairly straightforward and balanced with each other. There are, I don't know, maybe another 10 dinosaurs. And essentially what you do is you, you do a two player draft Yeah. where you start with a hand of five, you discard one that you don't want your opponent to have, and then you keep one and then you pass and you do that twice and you'll end up with between three and four dinosaurs. And I got to be honest. Okay. So just, and this is going off in a crazy direction. How do you, is this a game you could put together for playing three or four people? In one game? You know, honestly, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the rules don't support it. The they rules don't, say don't support that. it. I bet you could probably manage with four, with three or four players. Right. You could do like a two-headed Edden kind of thing that yeah. they do with magic. And I, I, I think you could probably <clears throat> house rule some kind of team rules. Yeah. Um, you know, something like... You know, you've got two people on one side of the table and two people on the other side. And when you attack, the way, see, here's how I would house rule it. Okay. If me and you were on a team, mm-hmm. and say Jeremy, because he loves dinosaurs, and Chris are on a team, mm-hmm. if Jeremy attacks, use if Jeremy declares one of my dinosaurs as the target of an attack, mm-hmm. the the block or the absorb have to come from your dinosaurs so the defense comes from your teammates dinosaurs oh i hadn't considered that i just sort of considered well well, two things one is every man for himself oh Um, yeah i mean yeah free for all for sure right and that would be it'd be relatively straightforward i'm not sure how it would turn out but then i was thinking teams is you would just you would attack one of the two people on the other team but the idea of defending from the other from your teammate from your teammates dinosaurs now that is sort of interesting i hadn't considered that because i think the issue with a free-for-all is the way that initiative goes back and forth right there could potentially be issues with one player never being able to essentially one player could run away not run away but one player could be in control and be on attack the entire game Hmm. Because if yeah, you've but, got but, the, but you've got two separate opponents. I, yeah, that's a good question. If you've got because the initiative th- is such an important part of yeah. the way this game plays. Because if so, for instance, with uh, with our with our head to head game, mm-hmm. I had to leave a hole in my defense to be able to take attack back. Right. You you you, you almost hope for a soft attack. Yeah. And so if you've got additional opponents, that hole has to get bigger and bigger. And you ha- now yeah. have to have two players to build a hole for mm-hmm. that to for the attack to get moved. So I don't know if a, if a 
Battle Royale or All Man for Themselves would work, I do think a team game could work. Yeah, and 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 the, and and if you're playing with kids, which giving the thematics, I could very easily see that happening. Mm-hmm. It could be something where one of you is playing the T Rex, the other one is playing two other dinosaurs, or whatever your split is, and you could just work as a team where you know you coach each other, and and you know it's it's you just you you alternate taking turns. But what's curious is is you know in the original table battles, each side has two factions to it. So you've got light blue and dark blue on one side, and you've got light red and dark red on the other. And it's still a two-player game. It's one versus one, um, but you have two different sets, and that directs some of how you do your your attacking and defending. And I'm just curious to know, I wonder if you could split that out and turn this into a four-player game. I, I, I'd be curious. I, I imagine the, the the smart people of Holland Spiel mm-hmm. at least gave that a thought. Given the thematics of this, it would be great to be able to play yeah, this. I'm, I'm sure they've run through all the scenarios, yeah. and they've, you know tested them and iterated on them and decided that they weren't exactly feasible or workable or right, uh, not good enough to make it part yeah, of the and game. not not you know within the spirit of the 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 and not within the spirit of the game so yeah. i mean you know it's always fun to kind of what if yeah knock it around yeah. see what you can think of yeah yeah it would be curious so um you know, I really like this. I'm I'm really excited to add it to rotation. This is one that uh, I'll, I'll definitely be suggesting coming up. Uh, any f- final thoughts on your end on dinosaur table battles from Hollandspiel? Um, no, I I think that's it. Hollandspiel's just got a lot of very interesting stuff. So this is just this is one more feather in their cap, as far as I'm concerned. It's just it's it's a it's an interesting little play. I'll I'll be honest, with you, I'm a real history buff. I think I like the original table battles a little more because it hits me on that level as well. And mm-hmm. We've discussed that with other games with Wings of Glory and Wings for the Baron and things like that. Um, but it's kind of hard to argue with a theme like dinosaurs because it's just sort of, I mean, it's yeah. kind of mom and apple pie sort of sort yeah. of thing. It's uh, its good fun. Uh, I do look forward to trying the historical table battles as I well. Bring but, that um, yeah, I was hoping you would have brought it tonight so My we could apologies. play them head-to-head and do a, 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 compare, and contrast. a compare and contrast or a... Yeah, just a head-to-head battle with the two, but uh, my my dinosaurs versus your Massachusetts fifth line, or <laughs> right, exactly, we'll mix the two sets. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Maryland old line versus uh, versus the T Rex. <laughs> oh, that would have been great. <laughs> All right, great. So uh, that was dinosaur table battles. Uh, check out Holland Spiel. Yeah. John and I thank you for joining us in conversation about Dinosaur Table Battles. You can join us in conversation by visiting our website, gamesfromthecellar.com, where you can find links to our social media and Discord server. We also have a blog and a guild on BoardGameGeek. We look forward to hearing from you.